1: Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Stephen Pimpare, host of the Public Policy Channel, and I am joined today by Lainey Newman, who is the author, along with Thea Scotchpole, of Rust Belt Union Blues, Why Working Class Voters Are Turning Away from the Democratic Party, new from Columbia University Press. Lainey, welcome. Thank you for being here.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. I'm excited to be here.
1: So before we talk about the book itself, I wonder if you might tell folks just a little bit about you and who you are and what brought you to this project.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, I am a native of Pittsburgh. I graduated from Harvard College in 2021. Um, my senior thesis, when I was at Harvard, was about sort of the evolution of um, union members, political. Uh, loyalties in Western Pennsylvania, where I'm from. I have family members who were United Auto Workers in the Minneapolis region, and have always sort of been interested in, in uh, the alignment between uh, unions and Democrats and sort of what that represents and, and really where it's gone over the past several decades. Um, and so I did this project as, as a, um, under the advisement of Professor Scotchpole. Um, and when it concluded that's, that year, uh, sh- she and some other faculty members are really excited about it and wanted to sort of continue, see if we could uh, do some more, continue, continue the project on. Um, and so we partnered for the following year and, and decided to turn it into a broader project, uh, looking at sort of um, the Rust Belt uh, in general and, and, and how we could sort of expand these themes to, to encompass uh, a, you know, a larger population. Um, and currently, I'm a second-year law student. I'm at Harvard Law School, um, and I'm hoping to, to end up doing workers' protection work uh, on or class actions, plaintiff-side class action work. Um, but we will definitely see where that goes. So <laughs>
1: excellent. Um, so. Um... The, the the way you you lay out the book is sort of of what what is it that used to be what's happened and what's to come so why don't we sort of go in that order um, if you would sort of of talk what it it it. it Historically, as you hinted, right, there has been this strong correlation between political identity, voting behavior, and union membership. Can you, just before we try to explain that, talk about what used to be and what's changed over time and what, how would we describe the current moment by contrast?
0: Yeah, sure. So I think I think the, we start we start the book by looking at what historically was this conception and this identity of the quote unquote Union man, um, and I think that 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 term, whenever I say that to people, I think that that really rings a bell. It resonates with with a, with a lot of Americans. Um, there's a conception of what the Union man was. I think that it's a term that you know is sort of um, is well known in, in even today. Um, but what, what we do is we sort of interrogate what that term really, really meant um, in the context of uh, union loyalty and and political affiliation. And so we start by um, sort of un- trying to understand the social underpinnings of the union man. Um, and, and what we mean by that is is sort of what what was important what were the what was important to um, these union members? Uh, what communities were they part of, and where did their sense of union loyalty come from? Um, and one of the things that we want, to sort of push against in our argument is this idea that, um, you know, union members used to listen to the official endorsements of their um, international union and today they don't. Um, Really what we argue is, is the sort of the loyalty that that Workers used to have to um, their union, and by extension, really to um, the Democratic Party, which they saw as, uh, you know, their uh, a mutual sort of alliance um, in terms of their pol- the political affiliation, uh, wasn't based on sort of a top-down directive from union leadership. It was really based on a shared identity, a shared um, sort of sense of uh, commitment um, and, and mutuality that was much more sort of grassroots than it was, um, from, you know, from, from, from the top leadership. Um, and so we look at, we, we look at different things that sort of, or different sort of, um, concepts that, that the union man and the union members of this era. And when I'm, when I'm say this era, the, you know, sort of the mid 20th century, um, that were, that sort of uh, cemented that sort of identity in in the community and, and amongst workers. Um, and so we look at the, the historical awareness that a lot of uh, union members had to what um, many saw as was a great, uh, you know, um, sort of the debt that that. They felt towards previous workers who had experienced really um, intense, uh, even violence or or strife um, in the face of uh, worker oppression um, before unions were uh, sort of there to protect workers. So there's historical awareness. There's mutual commitment um, between workers. So the idea that I've got you and you've got me. Um, you know, we're in. We're here. We you know we support each other when someone you know has has to you know as having a hard time we're there to support them um, and then there's the idea of occupational pride so people really feeling connected to their to either their trade or their industry um, and feeling a sense of identity that stems from from that um, from 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 what they do and in the case of uh, Western Pennsylvania a lot of it was steel um, and there was a lot of pride about being a steel worker um, and again a lot of you know a lot of in, intergenerational pride um, about being a steel worker, about being a coal miner. Um, and in the trades, a lot of pride about, you know, what what particular craft um, someone did, uh, which often did follow um, generational lines as well, um, get passed down. Um, so we look we looked at that identity um, and sort of uh, that was our starting place. And then um, you know we we look we look at sort of what happened and, and I think that this is where a lot of scholars have um, you know made arguments that uh, the downfall of, of labor is sort of um, more is 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 just in line with resource you know resource capabilities with union density with with um, with these you know sort of metrics that we use to measure uh, union strength and and what we what we say is those are definitely all part of it but we we also argue that um, as these as those factors emerged, and as sort of unions were were declining, there was a retraction of the sort of social um, uh, this, the the importance attributed to social and social community building um, within unions, and the to the extent that unions were formerly really entrenched in communities and connected with other organizations, that also sort of uh, uh, was beginning to dissipate during this era of. Um, when we you know the decline of labor so from the 70s through the 90s essentially um and then to quickly you know conclude on the on on what you asked in terms of where we are today i think that what we see today is um people trying to figure out why workers who are members of unions um in the industrial midwest often don't support democratic candidates and i think that there's this sort of misconception or at least theta and i argue that there's a misconception that workers quote unquote um vote a, Vote against their best interest, and and we sort we want to push back on that because we don't see you know um, the way we understand voting is that you know voting is based on a lot more than just an economic policy or um, you know a certain uh, you know an objective rational um, measure of of what would be you know. know i'd be this much better off i'd be that much better like that it it just is we don't see voting as as that we see voting as very much laden with conceptions of identity and um you know community uh emotion all of these you know all of these things and so um we 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 explain this in part because of changing social dynamics and 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 where workers are getting a sense of community today Um, and we look at Uh, organizations, civic organizations that are still present in the industrial Midwest, two of which are um, local gun clubs, which have actually grown, have spread in um, ubiquity and also grown in membership over the past uh, couple decades. And then also larger, churches. Uh, And so we touch on that a little bit. um, But also, you know, the the main reason, we we didn't have much time to get into the meat of of those. um, So there's a lot more research that needs to be done. Um, But that that from what we could tell in our interviews, those were the two civic organizations that that seem to be present today and obviously have a lot more conservative leanings. Um, oftentimes than than unions and fraternal groups and small labor oriented churches used to. So I'll leave so, that for now. Great. So before we borrow in
1: there, and that that answer kind of an, anticipates my next question. I guess first thing I should say is um your focus here is uh industrial and building trade unions that particularly in the earlier period were when you talk about union man, you mean man, right? These were disproportionately white men.
0: Yeah, um, yeah disproportionately right. correct.
1: Mm-hmm. So but but you you sort of describe that that milieu, the world that they inhabited, um, why did that translate uh, for them to so consistently be aligned with the Democratic Party?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. Um, so I think that the, the the what we sort of what we argue is that um, these these worker to worker connections uh, sort of created a sense of identity around being a, being a. A union, a union man in the context of a union community. Um, and there was an underlying understanding, I think, that unions were, or that Democrats were on the side of unions. Um, and so to, to the extent, and, and what I was saying a little bit before about how it wasn't, it, um, we found some interesting uh, survey data from the 50s about how United Steelworkers members were, um, it, that the survey showed that steel, uh, steelworkers nev- uh, didn't really appreciate when the when the union was telling them how to vote um, and and instead you know liked that there was information being provided but but really uh, it's always been the case that and I think that this is true for for any number of um, different population subsets in, in the country but um, that you know people don't want to be told how to vote um, but that really th- where this was coming from was this um, sort of understanding that Democrats were present in these communities they were going to advocate for workers um, there's some really interesting interview data uh, interview um, quotes that I, that I that I that I have in there that that um, from, from my, from my retirees that basically were along the lines of, you know, Republicans had never done anything for the working man. And everyone just knew they, you know, everyone just sort of understood stood that it was a, it was a sense of, um, you know, who's there for us, you know, and who's going to, who, who we're going to show up for. Um, and really what you see now in, in these regions is the absolute reverse. Um, and that, uh, you know, the, the, the group, the shared identity in, in a lot of these, industrial or ex-industrial areas is, is, um, is that the Republicans are there for us and and we're going to show up for them. Um, And, and so I think that, you know, it's, it's a little bit amorphous, I think, but um, I, I think that the, the worker to worker and within communities, the presence of the democratic party and, you know, sort of the, the sense that they're, they're there and that they're um, they're, you know, they're the ones who advocate for for working people. Uh, was 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 what drove uh, the workers to to vote for the Democrats. You also
1: spend some time uh, looking at the ways in which unions really were embedded throughout the community in any number of different institutions, thereby sort of increasing the power of that whatever we want to call that that viral, that networking, that sort of of construction of the shared identity and community. Can you just, for folks who may not be familiar with that, talk about what it used to? Look like to be a union member?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, that's something that we we really focus on a lot, and I think really made a difference for for people. Um, so, unions um, during this era uh, were were not only economic, you know, bargaining units, but they were um, involved in workers' lives in a lot of different ways, and, and involved in communities in a lot of different ways, and in family family life in a lot of different ways. So, um, for example, we we look at um, the The steelworkers' local up in Aliquippa, which is um, about an hour northwest um, of Pittsburgh, uh, and and that local was involved in was connected to the local churches. Would um, you know sort of sort of partner with them on certain charitable uh, um, activities? Uh, hosted um, you know sort of trade uh, coin trading. Uh, event or events or, you know, collecting, you know, sort of collect, uh, people who were collectors of coins would have their events at the, the union halls, the union halls were places where people would go for, you know, um, fraternal organizations would have literal events. physical spaces, right? Right. Exactly. Yes. They were community institutions, brick and mortar institutions. Um, they, you know, there were, were dinners and events there, um, and and you know not only for the un- for, for hosted by the union but that were host you know sort of affiliated with the union you know other community organizations that would use the space um, the union would sponsor uh, you know. Activities for children, so like a soapbox derby or something like that. Um, you know, all all of the leagues that we we know from uh, Robert Putnam's um, work. So like the bowl, um, unions had bowling leagues and softball leagues, um, and and teams with that, uh, and there would be sort of intra-union com- competitions of, um, you know, the people from one shop versus another, you know, in in in, in these different sports. Um, and uh, the union also provided a lot of information to uh, valuable information and, and sort of education to their members via a regular newsletter um, that would talk about, you know, not only union related issues but also what family you know recent news amongst families um, you know new marriages and and births and that type of thing um, but also sort of educate people on different different things that may be of interest to them so for example a lot of members hunted um, and that has always been the case that members had guns um, and hunted uh, or many at least and um, and so there would be you know news about when hunting season was and 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 what you know what was allowed and, and that type of thing so readily available information for members that they found, you know, really useful, and that was not only related to union activity but was really related to people's lives in general. Um, and, and so, you know, in these different ways, the union was connected with uh, a lot, a lot of different aspects of a person's um, self and a person's community, um, and in a way that sort of made unions permeate uh, not only um, you know workers' professional lives but their you know their lives overall. And I think that that had a lot more you know we argue that that had a lot more staying power um and and in, in that way unions were a lot more salient when when voters um you know were sort of again as we say like you know it's not you know voting is is so much more than just you know um uh, checking the box or or saying you know this m- measuring different metrics but you know in the calculation v- unions were really present and provided a lot of context um for 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 voters lives and for voters pol- political um sort of uh concerns um and so in in that way i think that you know the, the unions we see today in in in, in for most from in most in most cases are are not as Deeply involved in in workers' lives, and there are definitely exceptions to that. Um, some some unions that have done very well um, with staying involved in, in building community, but um, that that is what we saw during this era. A lot of you know interrelation um, between workers, communities, and other institutions.
1: So we see a decline in the ways in which unions are embedded throughout various aspects of a union member's lives. And as that decline takes place, there comes with it a shift in voting behavior. So what happened? What causes the decline in in that form of union engagement? And how does that then translate into different political identities?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, that's a that's sort of the big question that we we look at. And, and I think there's a couple different things that that happened, um, of course, during this time. And so I'll start by saying, I think, um, you know, as the main thing that we look at is unions during this era provided um, a counterweight to a lot of other sort of political interests or, you know, um, concerns that workers may have had, um, and one of the things that 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 we we highlight is, you know, a lot of these workers have, or a lot this population, you know, and we're mainly looking at white um, men during during this this th- these years, um, have have always had these sort of um, culturally conservative views, um, and. And so one of the things that 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 I think was interesting in our research is that, um, you know, it wasn't so much as people, you know, uh, this people in this generation in in the 60s or or whenever not having, you know, um, certain sort of uh, prejudicial. Frankly, views on um, women or people of color, but really that the union provided um, a counterweight to all of those to, to, to those types of concerns, and that workers felt really connected to the union in such a way that they prioritized their union membership and, and union loyalty over potentially other, um, you know, sort of messaging that was coming, uh, from, from different, different entities. So, uh, you know, more conservative entities, um, that were trying to, you know, bring workers over to, to that side. And so I think, you know, one of the things that, 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 we argue is that as unions have lost sort of their salience in members' lives, um, for you know for a lot of reasons, um, that that counterweight has just sort of you know felt th- dissipated, has sort of fell through, and so um, it, you know in its in its place has been just continuing um, uh, uh, sort of hammering of these cultural and um, more more conservative. Uh, messaging and messages coming from, from certain groups or or entities. And so, um, and, 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 this goes along with what we were, what we were looking at with, uh, uh, the, the civic organizations that are present in these communities, um, and how unions, um, formerly were one of many civic organizations that included fraternal groups, local churches, um, gun clubs, uh, you know, um, and, and, and then women's auxiliaries and, and, and all the like, but that today there's much, far fewer, you know, really strong, uh, civic organizations. Um, and this is a phenomenon that, that you know, Scotchpool and others have, have researched for a long time, but that there's just been a decline of civic organization and, and involvement. Um, and so, uh, but but some of those, some of the organizations that are still present um, are these ones that have conservative leanings. And so we found that, um, and this was simply by hearing interviewees, uh, my my interviewees talking about where, you know, where people would meet up. And, and um, I, you know, formerly, I didn't, I didn't know that gun clubs had a social element. I, you know, I just had frankly assumed that it was um, you know, I, I mean I don't even know what I had assumed, but I but then doing more of this research, you realize, wow, so a lot of these gun clubs have uh, clubhouses, they have bingo nights, they have dinners, um, you know, they have these work. Holiday parties. parties. Yeah. So they have ho- yes, exactly, holiday parties and and even women like women's um sort of associations within the within the clubs. And so a lot of the uh, you know, that's some that was a surprising thing that we found that I think that you know, and we don't know, you know, the extent to which that's, um, or how many workers are affected by that. But there is evidence, and in, 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 you know, in our in our interview interviews and and in some of the um, supporting research that we've found, that. That a lot of workers, you know, are involved in that type of uh, organization, an NRA-affiliated gun club, um, and of course that has, you know, socializing and with that backdrop has very different implications um, than socializing with, you know, in a in a union hall or at a union-sponsored softball event or something like that. Um, and so that's sort of one of the one of the one of the changes that that we note um, over time. And then another thing that I'll say um, is that I think that Democrats. Um, Um, And this and, uh, you know, this is this is something that we heard from a lot of a lot of our interviewees, but that Democrats have kind of, quote unquote, abandoned um, uh, some of these communities. And so Democrats used to be, you know, very present and involved in a lot of these places. And I think that there has been a movement um, at the national level to sort of, uh, you know, really um, focus on on cities um, and particularly on the coasts uh, to to, um, you know, for, for, for votes and essentially show up only, um, at election time or even maybe not even at election time. Cause you know, some of the campaigns didn't, didn't show up to these regions, um, at election time, but, you know, just kind of bank on, uh, urban votes as opposed to really reaching out to, um, some of these areas. And so I think that those two things, um, you know, sort of the, the, um, the, uh, decline of uh, unions' involvement and providing that counterweight to conservative influences, um, and simultaneous to that, uh, Democrats being sort of retracting from these areas and really try, uh, focusing on, on urban areas has has provided a lot of of, of that that swing that we see um, in, in in the last couple de- decades.
1: And, I mean, it's hard not to be thinking specifically of the kinds of appeals that Trump made right to the the white Rust Belt in ways that that you say that that other Republicans and Democrats really hadn't in the last couple of days. And there are a number of the folks that you interview sort of talking about He's listening to me. He's paying attention to me, right? Sort of really basic stuff. Again, hammering this idea that, as that any political scientist worth their salt will tell you, right, for most people, voting is not a rational calculus, right? It is not a lining up all the policies that the parties identify with and the things that matter most to me. It is much more sort of social um, in that regard. So if you've got someone paying attention to you and feel like you've been ignored, when... Your material well-being has absolutely been in decline, right? Exactly. It's, I think really important to emphasize this. They're not hallucinating, sort of of, of worsened fortunes. Um, before i want to get your thoughts on sort of where you think this goes but i want to uh back up to to one of the sort of interesting observations you made is you know during this period of decline right this is a period of globalization this is a period of increasing attacks on unions right we go from more than a third of the workforce unionized to 10 or 11 percent today um This is also, in another context, what we describe as the decline of the male breadwinner model, right? This world in which a household with a spouse and children could have one worker earning enough to pay the bills, to pay the mortgage, to send the kids to school. And also, as you observe freeing up time for that male breadwinner to be more engaged in the union. You talk about the ways in which these lead to emasculation and status resentment. You talk a little bit about, about what you see going on there.
0: Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, and, and as you said, during this era, um, you know, and in part, you know, I think that the, the sort of nuclear family model, um, Played a huge role in 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 workers' ability to to engage in the union activities in in the ways that they did uh, during this era. So you know, a lot of people t- talked about, and we saw a lot in in the. Are in the archival documents about um, you know workers socializing after work uh, you know going to the bar together um, that, that type of thing uh, and and that was all made possible by the nuclear family model you know that 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 the that that dads didn't have to go and pick up their kids after work um, and so and, and something that we've we've noticed and that actually a lot of our um, sort of middle-aged <laughs> were, uh, uh, interviewees commented on, um, is the change that, that has happened, you know, that now, that now dads are, and men are a lot more involved in, um, you know, the, the immediate family life and in engage, you know, engaging with, with daily, uh, child rearing responsibilities. And in, in that way, um, you know, I think that organizing, uh, you know, for, for, for some of these workers, you know, social activities or, or events, um, any, even, you know, meetings after work, um, for union meetings after work or, or sort of, you know, getting together at the bar, um, is, is, is a different calculus today than, um, than it, than it once was. Um, and I guess I, I will say, so I think that one of the things that we, that we think is a opening there is that unions, even during this era were, you know, even despite the sort of male breadwinner model, um, were, highly involved in in family life um and women were very involved via auxiliaries or you know um supporting their husbands and uh and and um you know Packing the lunches and that type of thing, and women were paid attention to in the sense that you know there were um, in in the magazines or uh, the union magazines or the newsletters. There was always a section about um, you know for the women, and and some of them are quite quite interesting actually about you know how appreciative women. Ought to be about the, um, you know, their their families and and, and whatnot, um, and and providing suggestions on recipes and that type of thing, but you know, I think that that, that unions unions involvement in um, in families, obviously today is is not going to look the same, but there is still opportunity to really engage with the family as as a whole, and that's something that I think that, um, you know, unions it doesn't can be, can be difficult for unions in the sense that, you know, maybe they're not able to get workers to meet um, immediately after work or go to the bar or whatever. But I think that in terms of organizing and community building, um, engaging with the family as, as, as a whole, um, maybe, you know, even more, even more uh, successful today um, in some respects because uh, of, you know, the increased male involvement in, um, in family life. So that's one thing. And then, and then what you were talking about regarding emasculation um, yeah so i think that a lot of uh, and this feeds into sort of what 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 you were um saying saying previously about the status shifts and um the trump that you know that trump is was paying attention to to these folks um and sort of you know even you know playing uh playing playing to these resentments um yeah so what we saw is 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 when, when these job, when these manufacturing jobs, um, started to decline, um, women went to work. Right. And so women were, you know, women were, were making money and were, um, uh, you know, becoming equal co-equal, uh, uh, breadwinners in the family. And it was really interesting. One of my interviewees said, you know, um, uh, he, he was an older, older interviewee and he said, you know, So what happens is that the dad, uh, you know, the dad is, you know, bumming around trying to find a job and the mom goes to work and the kids don't get a good upbringing because she's out working and, and, you know, they can't, they're not with their mom anymore. And I think that that was, um, you know, that was said in with a lot of genuine, you know, uh, concern. I think that during this era, that was the understanding that, uh, you know, women were supposed to be um, raising children, and that that was sort of the the right way to, to have a family. And that when when that changed, there was a lot of um, insecurity felt by by people um, about that, that shift. Um, and so I'll just I'll just end by saying that, um, you know, one of the things that we look at with with the the involvement in, in these gun organizations is the sense that, you know, sort of regaining. Um, guns as a way to sort of assert um, power, and there's been a lot of really great research done um, by uh, a couple, Matthew Lacombe and a couple other researchers, about what you know guns really represent to to gun owners, um, and I think that 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 plays into this sense of um, you know wanting to sort of push against the the status threat that uh, that these working sh- the economic shifts have have sort of engendered, um, and. And that, you know, guns, guns and these clubs play on, um, quote unquote, like, you know, male protective instincts and, and that type of thing. Um, but the, the emasculation um, of this era, I think, did feed into sort of a sense of resentment uh, over, you know, the changes that were happening and the, and the cult, broader cultural changes that were happening, not only the immediate um, sort of social changes in the community as well.
1: So uh, uh, to bring us to a conclusion, Lainey. So if if you were to be offering advice to the Democrats who wanted to regain some of their support among this particular population, what would you tell them? Or is it is a lost cause and they're Republican for the foreseeable future?
0: Yeah. Well, I would I would definitely not 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 uh, not want to tell them that it's a lost cause. But um, you know so. I think that Democrats need to understand that this is um, this is, you know, this should be a long game, right? Um, That investing in these communities is 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 a long game. It's not enough to just show up at election time or get out the vote um, and expect people to, quote, unquote, vote on vote on vote for their best economic interests, because that's just not what it's, you know, that's just not um, a a realistic understanding of of why people vote, of how people vote.
1: Um, And how is that new bridge helping me? Thank you very much. When the price of food seems too high.
0: Right, right. So, you know, I mean, I think that Democrats need to understand that they that they need to be present in these communities, um, you know, and involved in communities, uh, you know, throughout, you know, throughout the years through, you know, in, and not only leading up to elections and to, um, so in a lot of these areas, first, I'll say that, you know, Democrats have sort of just retreated completely almost, um, because of, you know, the, just the margins, um, that, that Republicans run up, uh, and the feeling that this will never change. But, you know, what, what I think that is important is, um, in 2020, Biden lost by less in, in all of these counties, as opposed to in 2016, um, you know, the margins were less, right? And so I think, I think that the idea that, um, you know, we shouldn't show up because it's a lost cause is, is, is really misaligned. Um, because, you know, even the margins matter. Um, in in these states that are, that are, uh, swing states. Um, and so that's the first thing I'll say. And then the second thing I'll say Before is- Before you that, go on, can I ask the cynical question? Well, sure, go ahead. How
1: much of Biden's overperformance of Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama is that he was neither female nor black?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there is definitely definitely an element of that. Um, uh, I think that- so. I think that it's hard to disentangle, but but Biden Biden did show up in in a way that Hillary didn't. So Biden went to a lot of these places around, at least in Western Pennsylvania. Um, I think that that was a lesson learned from um, the from the 2016 campaign. But I also think that Biden sort of slated himself um, as you know he, he said you know Union Joe or or whatever the, the the phrase was you know he was he was a union union guy that are uh, supportive of un- unions and he. Has been, Um, and I think that those those things do matter, Um, and you know they're not going to they're not going to necessarily sway all the people who were voting for Trump in the steelworkers, but they matter they matter in the sense that there are going to be some who who um, who who show up and vote uh, who didn't maybe didn't vote last time. Um, There's going to be there's going that's going to even even those things do I think make a difference. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I think that it is uh, it's hard to disentangle race and gender, but um, some of the things that the Biden campaign did, like showing up to these places and, um, you know, the styling uh, and branding of uh, and, and. and you know, promises I guess uh, that that the Biden campaign made about um, uh, to 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 support unions I think were consequential in, in a certain respect. Um, so you're going to make a second observation before I interrupted you. Yeah. So then the second observation that I would just make is that um, you know I think I think that Democrats in trying to you know be pre- be present in these areas uh, you know not only during election time. Um, should try to sort of lateral into or try to understand the community um, wh- the community organization, uh, sort of how the community is organized and what institutions are present. And how to sort of lateral into those institutions and get involved in those institutions where people are engaging with one another, where there's events happening, um, the places where people you know meet up, whether it's you know YMCA's or or the churches or or um, or what have you, um, to the extent that those places still exist, I think that um, there it's important for um, you know there to be a continuing sort of presence of, okay, well, um, you know, Democrats are, Democrats are here, Democrats, you know, I mean, the, it's surprising to me even that having like a brick and mortar, um, you know, physical location, uh, some, one of the county, one of the Republican County chair, uh, people I talked to, um, told me about how she would, how she just, you know, people would drop by the, the brick and, you know, her, her, the Republican County, um, party, like the the physical location and just sort of hang out there. And I mean, I think that that type of thing is is interesting, but uh, like, is it is true that people sort of get together in different places. And, and I think the Democrats need to understand where people are getting together, how people are getting together, um, and sort of, how uh, how the party can can support different things in the community, if that makes sense. Um, So to me, I think, you know, Democrats need to have a sort of broader understanding of how to organize, um, you know, not only during election time and then not only in a political sense, but in a community building sense as well.
1: You're listening to the Public Policy Channel of the New Books Network, and we have been speaking today with Lainey Newman, who is the co-author with Theta Scotchpole of Rust Belt Union Blues, Why Working Class Voters Are Turning Away from the Democratic Party, new from Columbia University Press. Lainey, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you, Stephen. I've really enjoyed it.